Ich habe ihn eben gefragt, also wie das so aussieht, weil es heißt nicht nur Rick James, es heißt Rick James und the Stone City Band. Also das sind schon zwei Gruppen. Ich meine, dass es insgesamt vier Gruppen sind. Uh, a lot of people, of course, think that when they think about funk music in Europe, they think about New York. What about Buffalo, for people that have not been to Buffalo? Can you make a comparison <laughs> between Buffalo and uh, New York? <laughs> Buffalo, New York? Oh, what's Buffalo like to you? What is Buffalo? <laughs> what's... Buffalo's a small, I mean, well, it's, we got a few million people there. It's, it's basically a small town, you know, a small city. We got some good people come out of there. Uh, Grover Washington from Buffalo, and uh, got some pretty good people at Spiral Gyra, jazz group. They're from Buffalo. It's, it's, it's a good place for music, you know, because uh, we have a lot of music there. It's a good place. Nice hills and ghetto. Because they come down, this big. As Buffalo, what are you Till you guys see my new setup. From Buffalo, New York, the Goo Goo Dolls secret hideout. It's the Struggle is Real Buffalo Music Podcast. Welcome to the Struggle is Real podcast. I'm Ryan Garnett. I'm Dennis Reed. How's it going, Dennis? Uh, here for another episode, our final episode of season one of the first group of episodes we set out low these many months ago to record. So yeah, we recorded them all back in June and July. Right, of and 2017. Then, yes, We're in 2018 now. And um, we've just been slowly releasing them and working on the intros, so this is our first clump, our first chunk of the experiment. Yeah. So, uh, But uh, next season's going to be exciting. We're doing a new turnaround where you're going to be able to hear an interview within, you know, a few weeks of it actually happening and not six months later when it's not relevant anymore. Yeah, we got some weird... I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a good job of hyping this episode, clearly. <laughs> we had an efficiency expert in. So yeah, We've got we got like an awesome lineup of guests coming up. We have uh, Ken from Outer Limits Recording Studio. Indeed. Uh, Allison Pipitone is going to be joining us at some point in the coming months. Um, we're also we're bringing in uh, Sam Marabella, who used yep. to own Broadway Joe's. And um, and now runs Boulevard Music, along with Joe Childs. And uh, hopefully a lot more uh, really interesting guests coming up. Yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. That's just a few of the... the yeah, that's, that, that's, uh, we're not, we're not going to blow it all right now. We've got to keep you coming back for something. Yeah, so, so will, will we suffer a sophomore jinx? I don't think so. What do you think? Can it get any worse? season. <laughs> well, I think we bottomed out. I think this episode coming up here, uh, we're about to bottom out. We're about to hit the bottom. Yeah, but we are going to learn some things in this episode. In, in this episode, we're actually going to have our good friend and common law uh, wife, uh, about the amount of time we spent rehearsing with him, uh, Joe Ianello is joining us for this episode. Is it pronounced Ianello? I believe it is Ianello, actually. I know, I said it, oh. it's spelled with an I, but it's some Italian shit. I've known him for like two years, and I said Ianello the whole time. And it's a testament to Joe's uh, confidence in himself that he hasn't thrashed you and stabbed you where you stood. I think I'm just going to keep saying Ianello. He, he, he's not going to give you a hard time. He's pretty mellow. Excellent. So, <laughs> you know um, in this episode, uh, we learn that uh, if you've got a band fight with your drummer and singer, uh, the thing you should do is absolutely nothing. Just let it happen. <laughs> Let that shit play out, because uh, the stories will last forever, and the, 
the wounds will heal. Uh, Joe will tell us what each of his five distortion pedals does. Uh, we'll learn that a blow to the head might put more pep into your dancing. In some cases, it improves your dancing. Uh, and we're going to learn Joe's ex-drummer's very interesting way of booking gigs straight out of the Blues Brothers playbook. It's a great story. <laughs> like, yeah, Joe had a lot of good stories. The kind of thing you don't believe is real, but it's it's absolutely real. So we've been busy out running around uh, promoting this podcast. Yep, gallivanting. Uh, we had the great pleasure to sit down and hang out with the dudes from the Not Too Much podcast. Yep, Scott and Eric. Or Scott and Eric, and Eric. Well, they were calling him Bub. And Ho. Bub, oh, that was Scott's name? Yeah, no, no, that was uh, Eric's name. So we so, went on location, actually, to go record yes. with them uh, at a really nice, buff- like, lower, buffalo lower yeah, uh, apartment. Yeah, it was a cool place. Yeah, with all the awesome buffalo woodwork. As soon as we got in there, I knew that um, we were going to have some fun because in the living room, they had, like, a big TV set up, like, the PlayStation or whatever was there. And then they had those awesome um, cartoons and posters on the wall. One of them was, like, a parody of The Room. Oh, no, it was what actually, was the... it was a graphic, like, a, almost like a graphic novel rendition of The Room. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. parody. That was actual lines of dialogue that were in there. Right. Okay, but... It, so it was a promotional poster. But it wasn't poster. the movie The Room. It was a promotional poster for when it played at the North Park Theater. Okay, so somebody did a... Some artist did a prints and probably mm-hmm. sold them at the, at, at the merch table, along with whatever Tommy Wiso has to sell. Yeah, yeah. Underwear. Jeans. I was actually, yeah... So Ameri- they, American jeans. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. So they took us down into their recording studio, which they had a name for. It was something like the the doll room or something or the dollhouse. There were creepy dolls in it. Yeah, yeah. There were a bunch of creepy dolls. And um, they stared at us. Like, I noticed them constantly. Every so often in the interview, I'd just kind of look up, and it was like either Eric was in front of me or, like, in, on both sides of him, there were just, like these tons of creepy dolls just staring me right in the face. I think there were, uh, three of them were supposed to be magi, I believe, because there were three that kind of looked like wizened and Christian, but I, I don't know what the heck they, uh, the rest of it was. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they, uh, w- that was a marathon session. Yes, we interviewed with them for about two and a half for hours. For two and a half hours we sat there. We encourage you to go, is it not, is it not too much podcast.com? Yes, is that it where is. The, yeah, cool. And then uh, not too much podcast on Facebook will work as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they had us on there for two and a half hours, and during that time, every time I look over to my right, I guess it's it's not Bub, but the was it Ho? Ho was plying me with beers the entire night, <laughs> and I drank. I, I think I drank five beers. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, and they were like these like IPA, like you know, double IPA, like citrus infused, like really wild and. I gotta say, it's probably entertaining to go listen to that podcast because I said some things that I don't really even want to remember. Like, the, the next day I woke up, and, you know, the first thing you usually feel, like, after you've been drinking for the, the, the night, is you get that hangover feel, you know? You kind of feel your, your, your bloodstream polluted a little bit. I did feel like shit the next day. Yeah. And I didn't even drink. Yeah. Well, it was probably just the al- alcohol vapors in the air from sitting down there in, in the proximity. But, but then immediately after that, I felt... Another familiar feeling, shame at, <laughs> at the things that I'd, I'd, I'd said the, the night before. So 
Um, I, I won't get into all of it. You'll have to listen to the podcast. And this uh, part might have been cut out, but I know at one point, after you guys left, actually, oh, Ryan, oh, Ryan no. and, and, uh, and the Shadow Minion left, and I was still there sitting with those dudes, and they were still giving uh, me beers, giving me beers. At one point, I, I, I started like yelling like, like it was a muscular dystrophy telethon and like thanking everybody for staying tuned. Um, and I said, like, and now we're going to have Petula the Dancing Bear. And I was like clapping. Like, there was Carrie on going on after you left that sounds delightful but I think that I, part got cut out I think it's a miracle we were in there for about two and a half hours I think mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. maybe a hair shy of that um, and they trimmed it down to an hour and 45 minutes right so they thought that only 40 that, that, that 45 minutes of what we said wasn't usable yeah so I take this as a, a stroke of validation that at least 60% of the things that I say just might be interesting enough for people to want to listen to absolutely no they kept a lot uh, around and, and they were really uh, accommodating and oh and yeah nice they're, they're, they're super nice guys yeah so like, go check them out on the not too much podcast and uh, hear, hear uh, our appearance there we actually we read drummer jokes too on there or as they call them in their description uh, dad jokes. They are dad jokes. They're awful. They're totally dad jokes. Yeah. One of them actually originally referred to a drummer orchestra. It's 50 years old, you know. But uh, but but check them out. We have a good talk with those guys. Yes, we do. So I was looking at my Twitter feed recently, and I don't even know what, why I was doing it. I went all the way to the beginning, and I say a lot of stupid shit, Dennis. <laughs> I do. So it got me thinking You're that preaching to the choir here. You've also tweet. You've tweeted about the same amount as I do. I think that we have similar numbers of tweets. Perhaps. Oh yeah, that few. <laughs> You're not a big tweeter either. No, no well, I but not for long. Like okay. I start. I've, I, I've gotten in and out a little bit, but now I'm make sure I do it regularly. Okay. And um, so I I assumed that we had tons of stuff that you might not remember saying. Okay. So for this on my next Twitter. segment, yes, on your Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So for this next segment, I took quotes by Lou Reed and I took Twitter tweets. Mm-hmm. I took tweets mm-hmm. uh, from Dennis, and Dennis has to remember if he tweeted this or if it's something that Lou Reed said. So you're going to read some statements, and these are things that I tweeted, or it's a quote from the uh, inimitable legend, Velvet Underground frontman, Lou Reed. Yes. All right. Exactly. Let's, let's, let's play the game. All right. Cue the music. All right. Cheap, cheap. <laughs> Unlicensed music. Cheap, cheap. Um, one chord is fine. Two chords are pushing it. Three chords and you're into jazz. <laughs> I completely agree with that sentiment, but I believe it originates with Lou Reed. You are correct. Yes. That really, uh, yeah, that, that kind of sums up Lou's approach. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, number two. If you don't like the weather, wait a few minutes. There will be a shooting to distract you. I believe that is the trenchant, savage wit of Dennis Reed Jr. Oh, you are correct. All right. See, we don't banish the elderly from television and ostracize them from our lives. We love Betty White. <laughs> okay. I can't see Lou Reed wasting his time talking about Betty White, so I'm going to say that's something I said. Uh, I think that's my favorite one of your tweets. <laughs> that's very snarky. That sounds like me. All right. There's a bit of magic in everything, and some loss to even things out. And some loss to even things out. Yes. So that is a very uh, 
That's a that's a kind of that's a kind of Buddhist uh, approach, I'd say. It's a sort of yin and yang. It's kind of a Tao. Um, and he had an album called Magic and Loss. And most importantly, I don't remember writing something that cool. So I'm going to say that's Lou Reed. You are correct. <laughs> All right, I'm throwing a really hard one at you right now. Okay. Just burn up the roof of my mouth eating reheated Franco's pizza. <laughs> well, everybody knows Lou Reed loves Franco's. So, I mean, you know, he was in those Franco's commercials. You remember the famous of Lou course. Reed Franco's commercials with him in his underwear and the Andy Warhol lookalike running around smothering him in cheese. With Nico. With Nico. So, that throws the a monkey wrench in the works. But still, um, I've been a victim of that glutton's affliction of the burning cheese on the roof of the mouth many times in my life when I couldn't just wait a couple minutes. So I'm going to say that's Dennis Reed Jr. And you are correct. All right. And uh, Franco's Pizza, if you would ever like to consider a sponsorship, your pizza is amazingly delicious. Indeed. And I, you, I, I'll, I'll talk about that every week for a couple slices. So just throwing that out there. All right, next up. You can't ask me to explain the lyrics because I won't do it. That's Lou. Okay, you are correct. Yeah, I, I, I do. You know, you know your Oprah. I know my Lou pretty good. You, I'm, you I'm a seem big to Velvet know your Lou way better than I know my Oprah. I'm a, I've, I've been a big Velvet Underground fan since I was about 19, and you know, I mean, some of the solo stuff he loses me here and there, but it, but it's still Lou, and he's he's one of a kind. Was one Fair of enough, a kind. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Talk to the fist. Talk to the fist. Talk to the fist. Now, is that like taken from a tweet, or, or I mean, or a quote? Well, I guess you can't really answer me without like blowing it, because I don't remember just saying that. But I can I can imagine myself saying that in the context of something else. But Lou Reed was he that much of a of a of a brawler, though? Goodness, are you that much of a brawler? That, no, no, but I but I, I am that much of a poser. Okay, <laughs> I am that much of a you know of a. I pretend to be tough. Um, internet tough guy, you know. Yeah, of course. So I'm going to say that's Lou Reed. No. Oh. That is you, Dennis Reed Jr. Um, I will tell you that I think for maybe one or two of the tweets, <laughs> I may have taken a, like, a segment out and shortened it. Okay, but you can take it out of the They will all say, make sense. I'm pretty sure that one just said talk to the fist, though. Instead of talk to the hand. Like, everybody's like, talk to the hand, talk to the hand. Uh, this was motherfucker's... Talks. Oh no! I know. I know. Talk I, to the fish. I, I knew where you're going with okay, that. Okay, good because I I don't. You wanted to kick some ass, like that's perfectly fine. I wanted to kick some internet ass. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. I'm Boy, an, somebody I, type at me. Type at me. Come on. Type. Type back. Come on. Dude, don't say that. My email just like exploded a couple <laughs> hours ago. All right. I'm an artist, and that means I can be as egotistical as I want to be. Now, I live that, but I don't believe I said it, so I'm going to say uh, Lou Reed. You are correct. Yes. All right. Sometimes it only takes one to tango. So I'm going to say that's Dennis Reed. You are correct. All right. I, I know my weaknesses. You know what you've said. All right. That's right. You remember writing things just a few uh, years ago. It was like seven or eight years ago. Okay. All right. Hey, All right, like, like I didn't take anything from like past like 2012. I think, like, I try okay. to keep this old. Next one, I think that everything happens for a reason. Everything happens when it's going to happen. Ooh, jeez. Now that's got the thing where it's a play off of an axiom, I guess you know, a phrase, and also as. All of the listeners of this podcast are well aware because they're rabid The Lady or the Tiger fans. 
our EP has a song called Everything Happens for a Reason on it. So, but did I say that? I, I think that's Lou, though. You are correct. All right. Lou Reed. All right. We speak your name. Next up. Millions of gallons of noxious material mysteriously disappeared from the Gulf. A few months later, the McRib is back. That is one of my most cherished tweets. Rightly so. <laughs> it is excellent. Thank you. Uh, I was hoping for more embarrassing stuff, like uh, you're like, I, 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 no, no one's ever going to be better than Creed. Like I couldn't find a single. I was looking for more embarrassing stuff. Yeah, yeah. But these are are still some. Show me somebody handsomer than Fred Durst. These are nuggets of wisdom that I think we should all be taking in. All right. So well, that's good. We're getting them out here. Eggs and toast. You never disappoint. Ooh, you know that that's. <laughs> I love breakfast. <laughs> so much, and uh, before I, I had a heart attack two years ago, <laughs> and had to like basically go on a <laughs> shitty diet and can't eat anything that brings me any joy or not. relief from the horrible and mm-hmm. indif- crushing indifference of the cosmos. All the KFC goes to me. Yeah, more KFC for you. Um, yeah, so that was the old me, the happy me, the cholesterol suffused me. Yeah. Damn. Sadly, you are correct. I am correct. What's all this clamor for never-ending economic growth? What about sustainability? In some quarters, limitless growth is known as cancer. <laughs> that is Dennis Reed Jr. <laughs> Copyright 2005. I like that. We're going to put that on a really big t-shirt. <laughs> really massive bumper stickers. Yeah, just it's more of like a bumper. It'll go, it'll go around the sides a little bit. Yeah, it's, like a bra. Maybe like one of those car bras. Now we're thinking. We're getting somewhere. <laughs> car bras. That's where the money is, folks. You heard it here first. I can create a vibe without saying anything, just by being in the room. Now, I could that could be me being sarcastic <laughs> about my complete lack of presence in a room or on a stage or anywhere. Um... So I'm going, but I don't think it was. I'm I'm gonna say that I think that it's Lou actually being sincere about himself and his magic. You are correct. All right. One of my rules is never listen to your old stuff. That's Lou. Yeah, that that is Lou. Yeah, I I love going back to the old music and listening and seeing, you know, what was working and what wasn't, and like constantly mining that stuff. Oh, for ideas. I found demos for Lady of the Tiger songs from like 2010. Oh, really? Yeah, I think Won't You Pray was in there somewhere. It, yeah, very well might have been. That's that's been one that I've uh, that I've, I've had hanging around for a while, and I always liked the way it came out, and yeah. that we're playing now, which is pretty nice. It's gonna be cool, and if you go to. Uh, Hot Mama's Canteen yeah. on February 17th. 17th yeah. We're just going to throw in all sorts of interruptions in this segment because that's, that's how it's working. <laughs> you can see The Lady of the Tiger from 9 to 11. Um, does it pay cost money to get in? That's right. Um, I I don't know, to be honest with you. It might cost $5. It might not. It'll be a surprise. The burgers are good. The fries are good. The chicken fingers are amazing. So come and check out us and music and drinks and cute waitresses. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really cool place. 9 p.m. We'll be there. All right. Back to the segment. Life is like Sanskrit read to a pony. That is Lou. Okay. That, yeah, that's you that that Lou song, yeah. I suddenly want to buy a Dodge. That sounds like me responding to a television commercial that I saw. You are correct. All right. Boy, that was important to tweet. <laughs> yeah. 
Sure, Dennis. That's sure what my point was. That wasn't one of my better ones. All right. We had a couple. Can we read the McDonald's one again with the McRib? Where's that one? You only get it once. (laughs) All right. Last one. Rally for sanity is political only insofar as sanity is political. Parentheses. Sadly, quite far of late. I do at least remember that that was me. It was the rally to restore sanity and or fear. And yes, you are correct. (laughs) All right. And that was in 2010, huh? Yeah. All right, so uh, next up, we are going to have an interview with our dear friend, Joe Ionello. So yes, or Joe Ionello. Oh, God damn it. Whatever you want to say it. No, I'm... Joe's not. cool. It's been too long. It's, it's stuck. It's his fault. <laughs> he should have corrected me. That's his fault. He had a chance. Exactly. All right, we'll be right back on allwnyradio.com. Everything happens for a reason 
Hi, this is Ryan Gurnett, and the struggle is real, and we are here with Joe Ionello, guitar player for The Lady or the Tiger. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing very good, Ryan. That is very nice to see you guys today. Hey, Joe. This is Dennis. Hi, Dennis. Oh, yeah, Dennis is here, too. You remember me from practice. Yes, I see you once a week. So he is Joe Ionello, a.k.a. The Wookiee, a.k.a. Captain Crunch. Captain Crunch, that's right. And wait till you guys see my new setup. You think I had crunch before? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what crunch is. You've got four distortion pedals in succession. Um, five, actually. And that's not including the three gain stages on the amp. But anyways. <laughs> Joe is exploring new regions of distortion to I am. bother a lead singer that doesn't care for any of it. Exactly. I want to see exactly how far I can push it before Dennis finally pops. <laughs> Maybe not new regions, but regions which were discovered previously and duly abandoned. <laughs> By those with taste. All right. So, uh... <laughs> that was never me. So, uh, what, who are your personal influences? Personal influences? Well, these are actually somewhat embarrassing. Um, <laughs> a lot of people... I grew up in the 80s, I guess. Uh, you know, so most of my influences were 80s pop guitarists. I was really heavily influenced by James Hetfield of Metallica. I thought he had a really good uh, sense of rhythm and crunch. And working with uh, multi-layered distortion and an innovative way to create interesting patterns in music. But I was also very much into Paul Simon. Uh, his interesting classical guitar style uh, mixed with uh, very, very intellectual poetry. And, you know, some of the most beautiful music ever written, I think, came out of uh, Paul Simon's fingers. And, you know, I was also a big fan of Rick Emmett from Triumph. Uh I'm not exactly sure why. I just really kind of liked his style, his approach to guitar. Whoever that dude was from Mario Speedwagon, I always liked his style too. And um, yeah, that's about it. So, so Hetfield and not Hammett from Metallica. You know, Kirk Hammett always wowed me. I always thought that I never cared for James Hetfield. Well, Hammett, I, I got to tell you, I liked his guitar soloing, but. To be honest with you, soloing is only maybe 5%, maybe 10% of being a guitarist. And I honestly, you know, he relied very heavily on wah and fuzz effects. I, and I also saw that, that uh, documentary that's sitting on Netflix right now, Some Kind of Monster. And uh, hopefully Kirk Hammond never hears this particular podcast, but if you oh, ever... He's a, he's a subscriber. Is he? <laughs> is he? Well, I'm sorry, Kurt, but somebody's got to put this out there. I don't think the man ever grew up. I mean, did you see... There is something elven about him. Yeah, there's something yeah. very immature, in a way. Almost like he's the abused child of Metallica. Or that there's like some sort of enchantment on him. You think it could be? I an think so. He looks. It looks like there's uh, there's el- uh, elf I think craft. He, I think he has to he has to like save an elven princess. Other, yeah, otherwise, uh, uh, either that or he fucked over an old gypsy woman somewhere. Like he's yeah. just missing the ears. So, so yeah. maybe he saves the elven princess and then he gets his pointy ears back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll make a good Zelda game someday. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, let's move on to some of these themes we got here, Ryan. We have a whole. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm pulling them up. Whole batch, and uh, we all no. Joe, Joe can hold forth on almost any subject as yes. long as it's not truthful. I do enjoy the sound of my own voice. We um, all enjoy it. I'm okay with that. Well, see, you're rare. Most people hear their own voice, and they well, they hear their own voice recorded. You just mean like in the air? I just like 
making sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's why I'm a guitar player. That's why I have like four amplifiers. It's like I just make sounds. So, um, you mentioned to us that you, uh, you had a drummer who he pretended to book gigs. So tell us about that. Long time ago. I was in a band uh, by the name of Angry Alice, and I was the rhythm guitarist. And we had a constant problem with drummers, right? The first, the guy that started the band with us ended up, we had, ended up cutting him because he just, he wasn't keeping up. He wasn't learning the songs. So we ended up letting him go. And after that, it was just a, a series of like one night stand drummers. You know, they come to audition, find out they're okay. They never show up again. <laughs> well, then this other, this one guy comes in and he's a younger dude. Uh, you know, one of those silver-tongued, uh, sort of con man types. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smooth line of talk. A- absolutely, but extremely talented drummer. One of the best I've ever heard. One of the best I've ever played with, and it was truly fun. You know, it hadn't really been fun to play before that. Mm. This guy made it fun, but that he was a little off. You know what I mean? Like, there was something very untrustworthy yeah, about him. Yeah, something a little shifty about him. Exactly. Well... We started booking some gigs. Well, actually, the way it came out was he booked our first couple of gigs. Uh, I can't remember the the two bars that were that we were booked at. I think one of them burned down and the other one's closed now. Uh, but we played there these two bars a couple of times, and we had booked third gigs at these bars. Well, the night before the first one, it was going to be on a Friday night, so he calls us up on a Thursday, says it's canceled. And he gives us a weird reason. I can't quite remember what it was. <laughs> something about uh, the music union or something. Or they, they got shut down or whatever. Or they weren't having live music anymore. Some, something shady like that. I said, okay, well, at least we got the gig on Saturday. Oh, no, no, no. That got canceled, too. Mm-hmm. Similar questionable reason. Right. Well, now this gets our suspicions up. So we send our singer out there to go ask them, you know, hey. What happened? You had us booked in the night before. You tell us we can't go on. What, what's going on? She showed up, and there were other bands playing at both those bars. So she goes to the bartender. She's like, what's what's the deal? You know, what are you doing? Uh, you can't book one band and then bump us for another one. Bartender says, you guys never booked with us. <laughs> so she's like, what do you mean? Our drummer booked this. He goes, no, he didn't. She show, she was showing the the like the log yeah. of bands getting booked. No, we weren't on it. We weren't wow. on it the first two times we played. She said, "Yeah, you just showed up with your equipment, so we let you play." <laughs> he, he, he he pulled the Blues Brothers. Is that what I, I never seen the Blues Brothers? Yeah, the Blues Brothers. really. Yeah, and the Blues Brothers they're on the road and they're sort of you know the the two folks Jake Elwood and whoever I can't remember the other guy's name, but you know. Yeah. They, uh, they're on the road, and they get the band together, and morale is low. They've had a difficult time trying to get a gig anywhere, and they just decide, you know what, we're going to pull in somewhere, and we're going to tell them that we're this band, and they'll just, you know, yeah. book us, uh, let us play. And that's what they did, and they ended up uh, beating out, uh, I think it was the good old, oh, the band I was supposed to play was the good old boys, and when they took the stage, they called themselves the good old Blues Brothers Boys Band, and they played country music. Uh, or tried to. So oh, I, I, I've never heard anybody actually do that. I, I Again, that. this is something that I it had never crossed my mind anybody would do. And it's not like we had any troubles booking gigs after that, so we didn't really need that. 
Did you get paid lives. for any of those gigs? Oddly enough, we did. <laughs> and we don't know how. It's a whole new style of booking that we're learning. I about wish here. I, I wish these places were still open. We could do, we could go tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 no, I don't think they paid us. I think he paid us. I think he just took out you know, wow, a, couple, a few twenties and ended up told us it was from the bar. Again, I'm getting all this secondhand information, but this is how I had to fire the guy. That's so bizarre. Now, what would be in it for him to do this? Yeah, did you ever get an explanation? No, I didn't really want one at that point. I was kind of done with the whole thing. I would want an ep- explanation. That would drive there me crazy. Were, there were there was a constant issue between him and the lead guitarist. The lead guitarist was a corrections officer, and he had <laughs> learned some things about our new drummer. Uh-huh. And knows I'm not naming any names because I never verified. You mean he did like a background check on. No, but it was a small town. Okay, just people knew talking. each other. Yeah, you know, and he had a reputation, I guess, for being somewhat of a swindler. However, he also had a reputation for being an incredibly talented drummer. Right. Well, when you're a corrections officer, that uh, it puts you in a odd position because you can't be around somebody who might do something illegal that can prejudice you in your job. So it was always a high tension thing between the two of them. And I think he was booking or pretending to book those gigs to make him more valuable to us. Right. And, uh, on the one what hand, a, what a sad man. Well, a sad story. It is a sad story. I don't want to say a sad man because he didn't strike me as sad at all. Okay. He strike me as being a perfectly happy guy. Just maybe not the most honest. Yeah. And I will give him credit for one thing. The first gig that he pretended to book at that bar that it's burned down now, that was the first time I ever played in front of people. Oh, wow. In yeah. a bar. Cool. And he was he was awesome to play with. Uh, he, he was an amazing drummer, and we played an amazing set, you know? So, uh, Dennis, um, yeah, I think we should write a song about a drummer who plans fake shows for his band and cancels them. I think we need to fill in the blanks of this story <laughs> with like our it. own beliefs. I like it. Yeah, well, it's one of those uh, one of those things I don't like to think about too much, you know, because it was I, I had that band was a high drama, high pressure band. It mm-hmm. ended up uh, breaking up not maybe a year after that entire incident. And, you know, we luckily were uh, mature enough that we broke up before we Broke up, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. We we broke up, still friends. We still talk to each other. Yeah, so, yeah. Know. It didn't turn personal and nasty. It, yeah, exactly. It didn't get nasty. We were smart enough to get out before that. that we could all kind of feel it happening. That, that is rare. It, it is rare, but I do tend to have a sixth sense about those things. My next band was uh, uh, based out of uh, Lindenville, Medina, that area. It was called Your Loving X. And that was another high-pressure band. We're talking about one that gig two, three, four times a month sometimes. Wrote it our own sound system, wrote it our own light show. Hell, we wrote it our own stage a lot of the time. We had a stage we could store and build, pull out, take somewhere. Hmm. And that was, you know, at the time I was working 80, 80 hours a week easily at my job. And doing, you know, we were doing 12-hour gigs. You know, you'd show up at 2 in the afternoon to set up before the bar was crowded. And then you're not done until, like, 4 in the morning packing up. Yeah. I lived that lifestyle briefly never again. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. You get paid, like, 80 bucks for those nights half the time, too. Yeah, it was nowhere near enough money for the amount of work we were doing. But we were a pretty good band. 
you know. It was the first time I got a chance to play lead guitar. And uh, one day, I, I think this was the the moment that finally broke me in this band, is uh, we had a chance to play a party. We were paid, I think it was 400, gig, uh, 400 bucks to do this gig out in a field in the middle, I literally of nowhere. I couldn't find this place again if I tried. I'd never been there before in my life. And it was, I mean, out there. Like, deliverance out there. And, you know, we had a, a horse trailer that carried all of our equipment. In. And this thing, I mean, we had packed it from the floor to the ceiling, from the door to the back. It was packed. Thousands and thousands of pounds we loaded into this thing. And we are... Where did you get the horse trailer from? Oh, uh, one of them already had it, I think. Uh, you know. Living out in that area. Exactly. The Batavia area. Horse trailers yeah. pretty much uh, yeah. de rigueur. Well, especially the Lindenville area. There's a lot of ranches and farms out there. So there's always a used horse trailer around for sale. And, you know, it's just a matter of finding one that doesn't smell so bad. And, uh, you know, so we got it and, you know, cleaned it out. Sniffed it, cleaned it out again, sniffed it, cleaned it out again. And then finally it was okay for us to put equipment in. We put all the equipment in, and our drummer had to drive, you know, his truck with the trailer on it, which was not easy because, again, this thing is loaded with thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's swaying back and forth. It And there's narrow roads here and there. We got lost at one point, and he had to do like a 75-point turn to turn around. Was this before uh, GPS? Yes. You, yeah. So you are just, what did you just have, like uh, like a regular print map? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I think we had, oh, I know where we're or going. Verbal instructions. We had, we had uh, somebody saying, oh, I know where it is. And that, I think, was our GPS. And, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, we this poor guy, he had to drive this thing out all the way out there. We drive it out, and of course we have to park on the road and carry thousands and thousands of pounds into the field, right? We set up a stage. We set up the sound system. We set up our amps. We set up a tent. We set up a light show. It took hours to set this up. And as we're setting it up, we're looking in the distance. There's a big black cloud coming. And we're like, ah, well, the weather guy said it wasn't going to rain. Well, the minute we had everything set up, we played, I think, the first note of the first song. And there comes the thunder, there comes the lightning, there comes the rain. We had to tear the whole thing down right oh then God, and there. Because huh? it was rain coming in sideways. The tent wasn't helping it. And, you know, you're dealing with the $75,000 sound system. You're not going to risk it. Oh, my goodness. We had to pack the whole thing back into that trailer and drive it back to when it was like an hour and a half drive. Our drummer, I swear this man grew horns and fangs. He was ready to kill all of us. <laughs> I don't know why he was mad at us. <laughs> he should have just been mad at whoever booked it or, you know, whoever the madman is that controls the weather. Yeah. But God. Oh, my. And at that point, I realized, I think this man might be insane. <laughs> and, uh, but this this is a different drummer? Yeah. Yeah, it's a different the group afterwards. Yeah, and he, again, another extremely talented drummer. Mm-hmm. And somebody I, I really do admire, uh, someone I consider to be a very close friend, but he has a temper. <laughs> and it's one of those tempers where it gets, like, scary. You, you know, oh. 
you know, drummers. Uh, the common the common theme that seems to be uh, coming from a lot of the bands that I've been hearing from is some form of violence or another. <laughs> Whether it's stuff happening at shows or stuff happening with promoters or, like, in-band fighting. Well, sit back and strap yourself in, son, because I got some stories to tell you. <laughs> Whoa, let's go back to Angry Alice. Um, we were playing a gig at the American Legion in Albion, New York, which is a pretty good gig, and it was one of the few times, like, it was late, I was tired, but I had just enough alcohol in me that I was having a good time, you know, and we were all having a good time. None of us realized exactly how good of a time our singer was having. Now, she used to get real nervous before gigs, and she wouldn't eat, and she'd drink. So this was, uh, let me, let me back up. Uh, this was at, uh, where? What was the, uh, the American Legion. The American Legion. And yeah. is, so what, you paint the, set the scene of the, the crowd for us. Who's, who's here? How many people? Oh, it wasn't, it's not a very big bar at all. Maybe 35, 40 people tops. Okay. Um, kind of indifferent you guys have been like being there no, and going on or? Great time. We were finishing okay. up the second set going into the third set. Okay. So you had an engaged we audience. We had a very engaged audience. Okay. Uh, you know, we you could tell the bartender was giving us the nod and all that, you know, saying good job, you know. Well, we get back up for the third set, and our singer's nowhere to be found. And we're all, like, waiting, okay, calling calling Julie to the stage, you know. And uh, God, I hope she doesn't hear this because she hates this story. <laughs> but, uh, Julie, it was years ago. It, get over it was. And... Um, <laughs> And she she apologized a million times. She was in the bathroom puking her guts out. Oh, no. Poor Julie. Oh, uh, And then we were like, okay, well, it's late till she gets it out of her system. You know, we'll go back on, you know, give her extra ten minutes or whatever to relax. Well, she kept puking. She kept puking. And then she passed out. Oh, no. And she was completely unresponsive. I mean, literally, we thought she might have coded. Oh, wow. So I ended up having to call 911, having an ambulance come and get her. Uh, oh, that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. Needless to say, we never got to play that bar again. But Oh, really? They were just like, you know, even though you, you wowed them for two sets and you got a thumbs up from the waitress and everything? Actually, I just... think we were a little too embarrassed to ever ask to play there. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't blame you. Uh, and again, this that's the kind of thing that... You don't want a reputation, especially in a small town area like that. You don't right. want that reputation following you. Yeah, you know, I mean, another time we were playing, uh, it was in Lockport. There was some kind of, like, MMA match going on. And they wanted a band to play. And this The was, same group? Uh, yeah, this was the same group. Okay. Uh, it was a couple of years after. Uh, no, I'm sorry. This was a different group. This was YLX. Uh, we had the same singer as Angry Alice, though. With what? What's their name again? Uh, Your Loving X. Your Loving X. Yeah. Okay. YLX for short. Oh, okay. And I was in that gotcha. band, I think, from about 2009 to 2013, I want to say, 2012, somewhere in there. So we were playing this thing in Lockport, MMA fight, whatever. We were going to go on, you know, after the main bout, you know, if there was time. They didn't know how much time we were going to have. Cause, you know, so I mean, that, that's a weird. I've never been booked for like a sporting event. A, a sporting event, yeah, yeah. For a, much less a mixed martial art. That's yeah. So, I thought it was but weird. it was like part of the promotion of the event. They were like, "Oh, yeah. come watch guys bare fist fighting, and then hear some yep. journey." Yeah, or basically. Was it, or, yeah. Basically, so, it was like that. So, like, were you playing like center stage, or was it like as people Lockport, would be right? leaving? Uh, it was. Uh, we were playing. 
it's kind of center stage. I mean, we weren't playing near the ring. It was we were playing in the bar area, and then out in the parking lot they had set up the ring. And this was uh, oh. a large club in Lockport. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, if somebody told me the name of it, I would remember. But was it Lockport or was it Tonawanda? Well, it doesn't matter. So, it sounds like a very Lockporty story so far. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was Lockport. It yeah. was an MMA fight, and uh, we were going to play, you know, whatever time was left after the match because you don't know how long those things are going to last. So I'm hoping it's going to last a while because I didn't feel like playing, right? Yeah. Well, isn't MMA like an actual league, like an actual like sanctioned league, or you just <laughs> so this actually was like part of the sanctioned sporting uh, system, or this is just some other like fucks in a field? No, no, it was uh, an organized thing. I don't know if it was part of the main back UFC in, fighting thing. But. Yeah, like back in 2009 too. I think it was still like underground enough, or even if there was like a big MMA event, they'd probably still. Get some local artists. Yeah, but just to pump up the event a little bit. Exactly. Wow. It, it, like I said, I think it was a simple exhibition, but it was a good gig for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I knew who it was that was fighting, but it was like somebody who was supposed <laughs> to be like, he was uh, a Lockport native, and he was supposed to be like a champion at it or something like that. Did you have a view, you had a view of the ring when you were playing? Uh, yeah, yeah, not a very good one, because uh, there was kind of like a pillar in the way. Uh-huh. So you know, you had to like move left and right to see anything, and the main bout lasted literally three seconds. Right, he kicked the guy yeah. once, and it was over. <laughs> That's MMA. And I swear, I swear to you, I could feel that kick from where I was standing. <laughs> it, how that guy survived, I have no idea, but it was <laughs> over, right? And so everybody goes back to the bar area. We're playing, we're having a good time. You know, they're getting drunker and drunker and drunker. And this one girl, she's like dancing in front of the stage, left and right. You say they they're getting drunker and drunker. You're not. No, no, not me. You're I not never drink during a gig. Yeah, well, I know you haven't with us, but yeah. I don't know if that was always it the was, policy or if this is the story. That it was the policy, started the policy after that night at the American Legion. That oh, was got the policy. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so sorry. <laughs> well, ba- long story short, we ended up having to call the ambulance because this girl who was dancing, she was drunk in front of the stage, trips over her own two feet. And she falls, she hits her head on a monitor, knocks the monitor a few feet away. Now, and then she got back up and started dancing again. Now, <laughs> Better or worse? Would you say the dancing was... I would say it was... The same or... I would say it was more interesting. Now, Because <laughs> I'm watching her, and I thought, wow, all right, tough girl, right? <laughs> tough girl, that's your thought. Yeah, that's because... Well, that's a hearty one. Yeah, pretty much, because at the, that moment, all I wanted to do was lay down. Uh, but my bass player was an EMT, and he's he watched, and he said, and he in his mind, he did the math. He said, well, that's that monitor weighs about 40 pounds, and she just, and it's got rubber feet, and she just knocked it five he feet. He was a physics oh. professor, too? I don't know. I think he had a degree in political science or something, but, uh, but he... Worked for the fire department. He was an EMT. So yeah, because, it dawned on him that was a serious impact. Yeah, it did. It, it hit him, and he, like in the middle of a song, he just set down his bass, and he went and he grabbed her and dragged her over to the bar, and we're like, where's Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> and then so we finally stopped playing. We go over to the bar, and he's doing that thing where he's shining a light in her eyes, right? He's getting zero response. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the bartender. He's like, you need to call an ambulance now. And the bartender's like, well, why? Why She didn't want to call the ambulance. Sure. And, you know, Kevin's saying, no, she's got a concussion. And this, you know, it's probably nothing, but it could be serious. You need to 
we need to get her into an ambulance. And she's like, and then the bartender looks at him and goes, so she hit her head on your monitor. Uh-oh. And Kevin goes, yep, yep, exactly. Her head, our monitor, no liability to you. Get an ambulance. Right, there. right. And they got an ambulance there, and the ambulance driver said, you did the right thing. She could have, you know, oh, if she had man. gone to sleep, she could have died. Wow. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, my bass player literally saved someone's life that night, probably. That's amazing. That is amazing. But the real story I'm sure you guys want to hear is the night I had to break up a fist fight. <laughs> yeah, enough with Yeah. We, we don't, we don't need positive, happy stories of heroism. We need harrowing stories yeah. of misery and depression. Oh, yeah. well, you guys knew I was long-winded when you brought me in here. but uh, <laughs> Why we brought you in. Exactly. Now, I joined after... Uh, you're now we're not at band practice. Hopefully you get these stories out of your system tonight, and then when we get to band practice... Oh, that's right, because I'm the talker right at to, band practice, right? Yeah, do some talking. Some playing. <laughs> I do, actually. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I get off on tangents all the time. You know my doctor once said something about having attention deficits. So I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> that's right. But, you know, I was looking at things. Uh, anyways. Hey, Joe, look, pen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so... The and, real story. That we the real here. story... Uh, and again, these these people are all still friends of mine. I don't want to act like I'm bad mouthing them. Right. Um, now, this was after your loving ex broke up. I was the first to leave the band, and then a little while later, everybody else. It kind of just dissolved slowly, one after the other. Attrition took its toll. But when I left, I was done. I mean, I sold every bit of my equipment, my guitars, my amplifiers, all of it. Kept one guitar. Everything else was sold. I was never going to join a band again. I was just going to work, write music for myself or whatever. Really? That, that experience soured you that much? Yes. Well, at the time, I was going through a, a dark phase. My employer was literally working me to death. I mean, it was like 80 hours a week minimum. And I thought that was the rest of my life. And what was this? Uh, what was this employer? It was Claims Recovery Financial Services in Albion. And uh, well, that sounds so delightful. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was a nightmare. And again, I thought that was my life at that point. I was just okay. going to go sit in a cubicle, and that was it. And I, I had consigned myself to that. And uh, one of the guys I worked with closely, he was a drummer. And, like he actually went to school like for drums mm -hmm. and another guy who worked in the department it was uh his, his father was a music teacher so he knew how to play you know guitar bass drums all that stuff piano and uh you know there was me and there was another guy who worked in a different department but he was one of the best blues guitar players i've ever heard in my life okay and uh and then, you know, we decided, basically I got talked into forming a band with them. And the singer for the band was the drummer's best friend. But you know how, like, when a couple of guys have been friends long enough, it turns into something like a marriage? And they start sure. having, yeah, they start having, like, marital spats and stuff. <laughs> Well, these guys are going through a full-scale divorce. I wow. mean, these two, it was it started out fine, and then within a couple of months, 
they were bickering and fighting and just, you know, snapping at each other all well, the time. Can you give us an example of a typical uh, argument? Uh, well, the drummer, he, he had a long career, right? He had been in a band that was signed to an indie label. He had gone on tour before. He had been used to working with bands. The singer, on the other hand, had never been in a band before. He would sometimes strum his guitar and sing, you know, on a sidewalk somewhere. But he generally, he worked for the state doing something or other, something in social services. And uh, so basically he had never been in a band before. He didn't realize uh, the amount of work and responsibility that it can be. And so, you know, he'd get up on stage a lot of the times and he could sing real good, but his repertoire with the crowd was very iffy. He'd say the wrong thing, maybe say something offensive. Repartee, I believe you mean. Repartee? Repartee. Oui, oui. Really? Really? That's where we're going with this? That's, <laughs> Sorry. That's for the record, listen, I have, uh, I have a reputation to protect. All right. All right so I, uh, I can't let that slide. Anything in particular that you have from his awful being on stage days? Well, the one thing I, I did notice... Well, what, what did they bicker about? What was the unprofessionalism? It was, that was it. It was, uh, first off, it was you, you spend too much time on stage and a call and answer with the crowd. It wasn't so much that he talked Just with the, the fact that he had a bad... Well, no, that was the first okay. thing. Okay. He'd get caught into these conversations from the stage, which is boring to everybody in the audience except for who you're talking to. Like start, like talking to buddies or hecklers? Just random people. You know, people shout something out, he'd respond. When normally you just go, ha-ha, and move on. Uh, then after that it was, you were drinking too much during the gig, you were... You were off time, you were off key, blah, blah, blah. You were forgetting your lyrics. Those little things. Yeah, little things little like details. that. Little details. Or, well, you disappeared before the gig. You didn't help us set up. You didn't help us tear down. This all valid. Yeah, yeah. All, 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 these were valid. all clear violations of band code. Exactly. I mean, the most important thing your bandmate's ever going to do is help you carry your stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, Amen. You know, the drummer would accuse the singer of drinking too much. The singer would accuse the drummer of, you know, being unreasonable and, uh, you know, basically saying I wasn't drinking and all that when clearly he was. <laughs> well, this all came to a head one night before a pretty big gig of ours, right? We were going to play the St. Mary's Club in Albion, which is a pretty good-sized club. And it's one of those places where if you do good, you get steady gigs there. And they're fun gigs, right? You know? They feed you, they give you beer, they treat you well, plenty of stage room, all that stuff. They're always having events. Well, nice. we're about to play. This is a pretty pretty important gig to us, and it's the night before the gig, and we're in rehearsal, and uh, we take a little break, and I go outside with the other guitar player, and I smoke a cigarette. When I come back in, the drummer and the singer are arguing about his stage conduct. Ooh. going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with it. And all of a sudden, it starts getting into stuff like, well, this happened five years ago, this happened three years ago. Well, you said this, you know, back then, and you said this. Basically, they're not fighting about what they're fighting about. They're fighting about things like, you don't respect me. You don't, love you don't me care anymore. about my feelings. You know, it's it's basically a lover's quarrel between two <laughs> dudes. It's really, and I don't mean to sound like 
I'm bad mouthing them, even though I totally am. <laughs> but this is something that happens. I have these. No, kind I think of we've <laughs> all. I think we've oh, all yeah. been there. Yeah, we've so, all been there. So sure. j- 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 just to foreshadow what we all know is coming from the story and the theme from this episode, probably are these guys like the same size? Is one like a big dude or one a little dude? Because th- th- that that does make a difference. I don't quite remember. I think they were roughly the same size. Okay. But the singer was like ten or fifteen years older. Okay. All right. So he was uh, probably closer to fifty, and uh, the drummer was a couple of years younger than me. So he was like probably. 30, so the singer was probably resentful that the drummer was always like telling him what to do. You think? Uh, like uh, this probably, young punk. Well, I think. Well, the drummer, I, I do have to say, felt. You know, like he had to be in control of everything. Yeah, and he had more professional experience. He had more professional experience, but the thing was, I had just as much professional experience. I'd Mm -hmm. never been on tour or signed, but I had done something like 300 gigs at that point. So it wasn't like anything I said didn't have some kind of weight or merit behind it. You know, and I'd I'd cut my teeth, basically, and a lot of the times it felt like he was like, he didn't want to hear it. It was going to be his way. Right. Now, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. All right. I don't necessarily need to be in charge. I don't necessarily, you know, as long as I can have my voice heard once in a while, I'm fine. Right. I follow orders. I'm fine. It's you're part of a team. Sure. And I was okay with that. Singer really wasn't. Yeah. He was going to do things. His yeah. Way. He didn't want to be, you know, sometimes you have to take the criticism. Right. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to take the criticism. I don't think I, I, no singer is good at taking exactly. criticism. And it's not That's that true. he didn't try. And it's not that he wasn't a good singer. Because he was. He was a great singer. He did try. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And I tried to tell the drummer this. I said. He wasn't ready at 50? No. Oh, okay. He wasn't ready. Is he ready today, you think? No. Okay. No, I don't think he would ever be ready. <laughs> I don't think it really was something for him. Sure. He was more of a play a folk guitar and sing kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Not so much working a structured band environment, especially a cover band. And working a crowd and stuff and being charismatic up there and making exactly. events sort of roll and or everybody remember the group. As the front man, you're representing the four people behind you, yeah. too. Uh, so, basically, that night it just came to a head, right? Yeah, you walk up to them, you're out there having a cigarette. I walk up and they're fighting. And it, it's like one of those things where I'm trying to... You know, disarm it because I can tell it's getting really heated and I'm trying to mediate and neither one of them wants. They're, they're just done. They're just, you know, take your stuff and get out. That kind of crap. <laughs> and, and that's what it came down to was he finally, the drummer, he owned the practice space and he finally told the singer, okay, get out. Get out. I don't want you here anymore. This was the night before the gig you guys night were before rehearsing, gig, right? Yeah. So, and we're halfway through practice. Oh. And so, you know, the singer, he's like, all right, all right. And he muttered something on his way out, something like, why do you have to be such an ass? That was apparently the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Because the drummer goes running outside after him in the parking lot, and they are squared off. And I'm, like, looking at the other three members of the band. Wow. (laughs) Going, somebody going to do something? No, (laughs) it's me. I got to do this. (laughs) So I did. I run outside. And I get between the two of them, and I got a hand on each of them at that point. I'm like, enough, all right? Yeah. You think two grown men, one that's 35, one that's 50, would take that as, oh, my God, what are we doing, right? (laughs) You know, snap out of it. Yeah, these aren't these aren't fifteen year old, twenty year old kids. Exactly these yeah. these these are kids, these are people that are not supposed to be so full of testosterone that they cannot turn it off when need be. 
It wasn't, I literally was pushing them apart until I told, you know, the drummer, I will call the police right now. And that was, you know, his property. Mm-hmm. And, he, and that's what he said. He said, this is my property. And I said, yeah, and I'm going to call the cops. Yeah. And he finally was like, whatever, you know, and he said, everybody go, I'll clean up. So nobody actually got any any uh, no. punches in? Nothing nobody landed? got punches in. I okay. got out there in time. I think it sounds like the opposite, Joe. I think you got in there too early. I think a, a, a lead singer, and especially lead singer and drummer, I mean, those are probably the two craziest people in the band that's typically. That would be a great that's like That's like a girl fight. Like, you don't break that up. You see what happens first. I really, at that point, there was a point, part of me that was like, you know what? You, you dragged, I was done. I was out. Yeah. <laughs> and you dragged me back in. And that we, that we when we started, they were like, yeah, we're going to be the band with no drama, man. No drama <laughs> at all, ever. And it was the most drama I have ever seen in my life. And I literally walked around going, why did I think five grown men could act like five grown men? Because it didn't, it just seemed like an impossibility. I mean, I had to fire the other guitarist because his wife was showing up drunk to every gig and bars were like if she's gonna be there you're not playing oh wow. wow so i had to fire him because he couldn't get her to stay home either he brought her or she'd get liquored up and drive herself and he was oh, like God. there's nothing i can do so i had to fire him <laughs> you know and then you know this thing with the drummer had the between the two of them and it was the night before again this gig right so i i go home i try and sleep it's friday night I show up at St. Mary's Club like, I don't know what's going to happen. Are they even going to show up? Are we playing the gig? I don't know. So I just showed up with my equipment. Sure enough, everybody showed up, and the two of them aren't talking. They're just setting up quietly, and you could just feel it. You could just, it was like you could cut the tension with a knife. I mean, I literally was like nauseated by it. Because I'm like, I can't believe, you know, I'm 37 years old, and I'm about to go up on stage after this shit. Well, we played two of the best sets of my life. I mean, that was the yeah, best. A lot, of, a lot of tension to so, uh, feed the creativity. It's a, it's a Fleetwood Mac sort of situation. Right, right. It really was. I mean, literally, we had never, ever sounded that good before. We hit every note. Not one single mistake. Not one missed vocal cue. Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. And I thought, oh, okay. We made it. The healing can begin, right? Sure. How was how how was the singer's stage banter though? Was he on target that night? Perfect. Absolutely perfect. He led the led the, led the crowd in some line dancing. Made or us all proud. Nice. Did us all proud. I was like, ah. Oh. And so I'm sitting there thinking, okay, now we can repair what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll work their stuff out. Yeah, okay, a couple of guys got into a fight or whatever. That's not yeah, yeah. water under the bridge with guys. D- dudes do that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> No, it wasn't over. Within a week, you know, the next gig, you're drinking too much. Oh, my God, with this again, I wasn't drinking. You're drinking too. You're embarrassing us. Oh, how could you say that to me? And it got to a point where, again. Those jeans make you look fat. Yeah, pretty much. It was like, this this gets catty. This gets really catty. (laughs) This is the night that the band broke up. The singer wanted us to book a gig at, uh, so one of them, like, uh, Eagle Clubs or, you know, 
like some fraternal like order, VFW, water buffalo. Yeah. yeah, one of those things, right? It's a, throw an animal up on the wall, call it a club, you can smoke in there. You know, that kind of shit. <laughs> exactly. And uh, it was out by the women's prison in Albion. I always said we should book there. It increases my chances of getting laid. <laughs> um he uh, he wanted to do this gig, and it was going to be one of those, like, a, sh- a band showcase, right? We were going to be three bands. We invited two other bands. We were going to close the set, and two other bands were going to open it. And, you know, we were going to take a percentage of the door, and the other bands were going to take a, a percentage of the door. We were providing sound. We provided the venue. We provided everything. There was a huge amount of setup involved, right? So, I mean, we had to set up tables. We had to, you know, get the the vendor for the beer, you know, for the alcohol and stuff. We had to make sure that was all set. We had to set up the lights. We had to set up the sound system. We had to EQ everything out. I mean, it was taking all day, right? Well, you know, two days before that, the singer calls the drummer and says, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be there to help you set up. (laughs) Already, it's done. Like, if I had known that, the gig wouldn't have happened. Yeah. I would have said, no, you're done. We're done. You know, kill everybody you called. It's off. So nobody told me. I found out when I got to the gig. And, you know, the drummer says, by the way, you know, so you're not going to be here. So we got to set this up ourselves. And I'm like, at this point, now I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? That's the most immature thing you could yep. do. You have us book this huge gig, do all this work. Then you should tell us, oh, by the way, I have to do go to this event with my wife. So I'm not going to be there until we're ready to play. Did you guys have one of those uh, structures? Because sometimes I've been in bands where, you know, it's recognized that one guy's going to do a lot of the lifting and, you know, it's going to bring the PA themselves and we'll, we'll cut them extra money. Nope. Did you guys have this? No, everybody took a, a completely equal uh, cut. It was yeah. a completely equal cut. And no one, I mean, the drummer mistake. owned the sound system, but it was, you can't ask one guy to carry something like that. I mean, the... The main piece with all the monitor amps and everything, it must weigh a 1,000 pounds, right? Unless yeah. there were three hands on this thing, you know, three sets of hands yeah. on it, lifting it, somebody was going to the hospital. So this was this was a, a job, basically. Yeah, and you're starting to get irked now at this point. You're saying, uh, I was wrong beyond irked. Yeah. I was, I, the fact that he wasn't going to be there for setup, the fact that he wasn't going to be there for the first band to play. What if the first band didn't show? Yeah. You know, what if we had to fill in for them? We wouldn't have been able to. Yeah, he was just going to sail on in. Luckily, the first band played, and they weren't that good. All right, so we're like, oh, okay, we're going to look really good at the end of this, right? Well, the second band was a group out of uh, Medina called the Midcard, and I think they're still together. Mm. And if you ever get a chance to see them, they are something to watch. They are really freaking good, right? A cover band, but like an innovative cover band. A lot of medleys and things like that. Midcard from Medina, shout out. Uh, Is that what it was? Mid-card? Yeah, the mid-card. The mid-card. Mid-card. Shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to them, Dan Cole and uh, Mike Persia. And uh, I don't remember the rest of them, but a really solid group. Uh, And so I watch them, and I'm starting to feel a little intimidated now, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, I'm like, these guys sounded really good, and I know we can sound really good. But halfway through their set, the singer shows up, drunk. Uh Oh, (laughs) <laughs> drunk to the point like some of the girls th- th- that he talked to were coming out to me like what the hell's wrong with that guy <laughs> yeah you know he's really creeping us out he's not making any he's slurring his speech he goes up on stage and basically embarrasses us for 45 minutes right? oh my goodness forgetting lyrics 
just screaming out people's names. I mean, it, it was bad. I, I shouldn't say it was horrible. To me, it was like a train wreck in slow motion. I'm sure to the yeah, crowd, sure it was just more not a great performance, sure. but it's passable. And uh, after that, you know, I, when we're tearing down, and he's, again, we're tearing down, and he's talking to people. And I see the drummer look over, shake his head, and go walking on over there. And I said to myself, I'm not breaking it up this time. Yeah. <laughs> this time somebody else can call the cops and deal with it. I'm just going to leave. I'm going to grab my stuff, and I'm going to leave. Because you're figuring, what, that it's going to be real nasty or that the band's just over and you don't want any more part of it? Or I what? thought they were going to fight. I thought yeah. there was going to be a, a fist fight. Sure, sure, but why not deal with it this time when you had dealt with it previously? Because the first time I dealt with it, it was in service to a gig. Mm-hmm. It was, okay, we have to play this gig yeah. the next day. I need to break this up. But for them to continue to act that way, I was like, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm 37 now. I, I don't Yeah, if this band self-destructs, let it be. Yeah, let it be. And, you know, to, to the drummer's credit, he went over and he said, are you okay? He said, oh, wow. Are you, you were, you're acting odd. I just need to know you're all right. And, of course, the singer's drunk, so he reacts with, what's your problem? <laughs> right. And then they get back and forth, and finally, you know, this, finally the singer's just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. I have to leave the band. The, sing- the singer, he said? Yeah, the that? singer finally yeah. said, I can't do this anymore. This is too much, you know, drama and everything for me. But it was uh, slurred. Yeah, pretty much. It was like one of those things where I'm the victim, so I'm just going to leave. Right. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, you are so drunk right now. How can you possibly tell us you're not? Yeah. Right? And so at that point, we never booked another gig, right? And it, it was basically, that was our swan song. Mm-hmm. But I remember that that was like, I wasn't ever going to join a band. But they lure me in. With, yeah. It's going to be the band with no drama. Bunch of other people in, what well, you were in cl- Claims Recovery? What yeah, was the? Claims Recovery <laughs> Financial Services. All of us worked there except for the singer. Huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Why couldn't you guys have a softball team, like a like a normal company? Turns out they do, and I never knew about it. <laughs> oh, is that right? <laughs> I just. I, they didn't invite you to that. I, I was going to say, they just didn't tell Joe. They, 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 they probably shouldn't have. I probably would have ruined it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they didn't tell me a lot of things there. <laughs> but that was that was basically the story there. That was the last uh, the last interaction I had with the band before joining the Lady Years. Oh, wow. Are you still uh, friends with any of those folks? You talk to any of them? Oh, I see them on Facebook or around. If, I, mm-hmm. if I'm in Albion, say hi and all that. You know, I don't hold grudges against any of them. Because, again, I'm sure my conduct was <laughs> questionable, too. Yeah, ne- next week we have the drummer, actually. He's going to talk he, about you, yeah. Uh, which is fine. He's perfectly willing to. And, by the way, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, he is an amazing drummer. <laughs> oh, cool. He is a good man. <laughs> so, Joe, what would you say is the moral of that story? The moral of that story, there is no moral. <laughs> okay. The moral of that story don't is <laughs> don't go in expecting there not to be drama. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna approach you differently with this. There is a moral to the story, and that's let the singer and the drummer fight. Yes, the moral <laughs> because, to the story because is... you you would have missed that, that 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 whole last embarrassing show that would have been all that would have been done with. Yeah, you had a cool story about maybe someone losing a couple teeth. Exactly. You just you can't stop those fights. That's ah, uh, me and my big heart. <laughs> that's really what it was. That's really what 
I mean, by the end of this, I was drinking heavily, right? Mm-hmm. I had gone from, you know, being two years sober to drinking like a fifth of Oh, even at the at the gig, violating the... No, never had a gig. Rule. Oh, okay. The Joe Code. Never yeah. had a gig. It was like, you know, you go home and drink. Yeah, okay, just at home uh, by yourself in a closet like a normal person. Exactly, you know. One of those things that says, hey, that man's having a healthy relationship with alcohol. He's a so, fully realized individual. And so, I mean, that, that's how... Doing, doing schnapps with the vacuum cleaner. And, and it's one of those things where, where you know, you go to work and you're still in it, <laughs> you know, because you work with these people, too. Right, right. So it's like this sort of Damocles that's constantly hanging that's over funny. your head. You, you, you don't poop where you eat. Exactly. That would be the moral of the story. Make sure you have distance. Make sure you have an escape plan. It's, it's, it's if a, the lady or the tiger decides to self-destruct, <laughs> I have distance. You know, I don't have to work with you guys. Yes, and then half of us will create the tiger or the lady. Exactly, and then which, we'll play I'm, a battle of the bands I'm gonna decide be the, which one it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to be the lead singer of that band, Dennis. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm, That's fine. And I'll be the drummer of the other band. I don't know how to play drums, so We're, I'm sure it'll work great. hire our departed keyboard player. But He's that's uh, that's my he story. Moved out of state, and of course, I'm great. I moved to Buffalo. Answered a Craigslist ad. That's really. I don't know, Ryan. Do you remember the night you called me to tell me I passed the audition? No, I don't. I do. It was Thanksgiving 2014, I think. Yeah. Yeah, sounds about right. It was Thanksgiving Day. You, you called me at like five o'clock, and you know, I I had thought I didn't pass the audition, right? Because I knew you guys had a lot of guys coming in. I thought, what are the odds? Yeah. That, you know, that none of, none of them's going to be a better match than me. It turns out pretty good. And you called me up. Ryan calls me up and he says, by the way, this is Ryan from the Lakers. I wanted to let you know. I thought he was calling to tell me we went with someone else. But he said, the gig is yours if you want it. And I don't know if you remember, but I hesitated big time. <laughs> because I almost said no. I don't remember that. I almost said no because I was afraid I was going right back into that. Well, and into luckily, another dramatic situation. Was that? Into another dramatic yeah. situation. Oh, oh, yeah. And luckily, you know, it turned out to be the perfect fit for me because you guys is very much. Uh, yeah, it's been know, a pretty low key group. Yeah. Low key, intelligent. Mature <laughs> here, so, here and there, and then so 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 to apply the, this life lesson I'm giving you, if Dennis and I are about to get into a fist fight, watch it happen. We're both we're both slightly disabled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how often how often are you going to see that? Are you kidding me? And I'm we're both be, we're, we're both Hobbit size. I'm so. going to be filming it. Okay, see that, please. It afterwards. And, and, and that's and correct. I'm not cutting you any royalties if, either. If the band stays together, what? we use it for promotion, and if it doesn't, Joe makes a million dollars. I do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, there, there, you, there you have it, guys. Awesome. That's my story. That's how I came to be the lead guitarist of the Lady <laughs> of the Tiger. Cool. Joe, uh, we could talk to you all night, I think. you got, uh, We're getting you got pretty some, close. Yeah, you got some <laughs> great stories. We we'll appreciate the, the time that you came and yeah. uh, spent with us here. Thanks yeah, for joining well, us. And we'll you see you at band so practice much. tomorrow. This doesn't need to be too tearful of a goodbye. <laughs> Absolutely. So. You guys will be witnessing me struggling to play a six-string instrument for two hours tomorrow evening. Uh, mostly while sitting down because my back is still killing me. All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, rock and roll. Rock and roll. Uh, rock and roll should be played sitting down. <laughs> rock and roll and arthritis, I, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's like uh, the Rolling Stones. 
Yeah. Yeah, today. Yeah, of course, yeah. It's not the classic rock and roll. It's for dirty old men. (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming in, Joe. Thanks, guys, for having me. It's been a pleasure. All right, so um, be sure to check out the Not Too Much Podcast at nottoomuchpodcast.com or on Facebook. You can check us out on allwnyradio.com. There is the All WNY Radio app as well. Uh, we are on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Struggle is Real Podcast. We're on Twitter at SIR Podcast NY. Uh, also, from the family of All WNY Radio Podcasts, we have the Think So Joe podcast starring uh, Sherm Menkel. And then a uh, quick note, we've got some cool upcoming shows over the next couple weeks. Uh, that one guy is coming to Mohawk Place on February 28th. He has his own instrument he created, which is like, I've never seen him live, but it's like like a series of PVC pipes and strings, and it's, all, it's a crazy one-man nice. show. He's actually opened up for Ani DeFranco nice. before, so he puts on a really interesting show. If, if you can get out to Mohawk Place, I'd recommend seeing him there. Uh, Less Than Jake, one of my favorite ska punk bands from the, the late 90s, early aughts. They're going to be at Town Ballroom February 25th. Oh, cool. Uh, and uh, local band Dream Beaches, who um, seem like a bunch of really nice guys, and I've talked to them a bit. They are playing Mohawk Place on March 1st, and you should check them out. Ryan, your mic's on. Yeah, I figured. You're kind of okay with that. Well, geez, I guess that means I have to actually wash my hands if someone's paying attention. I was listening. Yeah.